Welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. <clears throat> Thank you all for coming. It's good to see you all. Uh, if you're tuning in online, we're glad to have you too. And if it's your first time tuning in, my name is Wade, and we are glad to have you. Uh, I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer before we go into the message. We've got a lot of people that are sick right now. We've got people that have been diagnosed with cancer. We've got uh, people that have been hurt in car wrecks and just all kinds of different things going on. So let me pray for them, and uh, then we will get into t- tonight's message. Father, I do thank you for the message that you gave me for tonight. I pray, Father, that you'll help me to be able to preach it in a way that people can understand it and retain it. And Lord, I just pray for all the people that I was just talking about, the ones that have been diagnosed with, with bad things, the ones that have been hurt in accidents, and the ones that are sick and uh, can't get out right now. I just pray for each of those people, Lord, and their families, because when we're sick or we're hurting, I know that our families are sick and hurting with us. And uh, I just pray that you'd comfort them, uh, help them to find healing. But most of all, Lord, I pray that uh, they won't let the things that are happening to them lead them away from you. I pray that they will draw them to you, Lord, to, to receive the comfort that you have for them, the peace that you have for them, and the strength that they need to get through these times. Lord, we thank you for loving us, and we love you too. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. All right. So uh, for about the last, the last four messages, it's been five weeks, but only four messages because we skipped a week. But we've been in a study on good and evil. And uh, last week, we wrapped up the good side of the study. And uh, like I told you last week, tonight, we're going to talk about the evil side of the study. And it's not going to be as long as the good side was. We've got, or I got it condensed down into into one message. So there'll only be one message on evil. But if you missed any of those four, first four messages on the good part of the study... You can find them on the church Facebook page or YouTube or, or Podbean. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to get up here and talk about the evil part of it because, like I told you at the beginning of this study, none of us like to think of ourselves as evil. But we'll be talking about <clears throat> during this message, you know, how subtle the enemy is. And, uh, you know, he, he don't never present things as evil he presents them as you know attractive he presents them in a way that draws us to them and we can actually be doing things in our lives that are evil that are anti-christ anti-god and uh, without even knowing it so that's why i get up here and preach these things it's not that i'm calling you evil or calling myself evil or calling anybody evil but just talking about what evil actually is so that we can be aware of it and not be blinded to it. Uh, you know, what do most of us think about when we think about evil? Uh, I know for me, uh, we think about the devil, right? I mean, that's what people think about when you say evil, they think of the devil. And when I was growing up, my picture in my head of the devil, you know, it came from cartoons. You know, when I was growing up, we had Looney Tunes cartoons, Merry Melodies. A lot of y'all are familiar with those, especially if you're my age. But uh, they always had the devil on there as a little red guy with horns and a tail and a pitchfork. But it was always one of the characters 
dressed up like the devil. You know, sometimes it was Elmer Fudd, and sometimes it was Daffy Duck, sometimes it was Porky Pig. But it was never just the devil playing himself. And it's still that way today. You know, the devil don't just step out and say, here I am, I'm the devil. He works through people. And uh, that's how he gets his things done. Just like on the, the cartoons that I was talking about, he used the characters uh, to portray the devil, but he was working through them. And we'll talk about that a little more in the message too. But he never just comes out and says, here I am, I'm the devil, and this is what I do. Uh, like I said, it was never him just playing himself. Sin did enter the world through Satan, but it wasn't manifested by him. Sin and evil were introduced and offered by Satan, but it was manifested in man. Uh, if we go to all the way to the first of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 4 through 6, it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, uh, God told Adam and Eve, you know, if you eat of this tree, the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. But Satan came into the picture, and he said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So all Satan did was put the thought in the, in the mind of mankind. He didn't come and manifest any evil. He simply offered it, and Eve was tempted by it, and she chose it. And then Adam chose it, and it was manifested in them. Uh, and instantly you start seeing the results of sin. And if we go back to verse 5, it said that they would know good and evil. But if we go forward to verse 7, it says their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. So, you know, the Bible said their eyes were open, and instantly they knew what they did was wrong. Because before that, they didn't know about doing anything wrong. But instantly they knew that they had sinned, even though they didn't know what sin was. Because until then, there hadn't been any sin for mankind. And they did the same thing that people all over the world have been doing ever since. Uh, they tried to hide their sin. And people still do that today. They've been doing it ever since sin entered into the world. They tried to sew some fig leaves together and hide themselves because they, they were naked. And uh, we still do that. When we sin and we know we've sinned, we try to hide it. Uh, they were ashamed of their sin, and so were we. You know, they didn't die physically when they ate of the fruit of that tree, but their nature changed. And uh, the, the divine nature that God placed in them when he created them was taken away, and uh, it was replaced with a sin nature. And every man or every woman that has been born since then has been born with a sin nature. And uh, you can see that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Not that we had sinned, it was by Adam's sin, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And the only way to change that nature that we're born with is through Jesus Christ. 
So we are born because of that. We are born spiritually dead because of sin. So we have to be born again spiritually. Uh, just like an Adam and Eve chose sin and it changed their nature from a divine nature to a sin nature, we have to make a choice too. And we can reverse that. We can make a choice to choose to change from our sin nature to a divine nature. That's the redemption plan God has for us. That's what our salvation is. Uh, and that is the only way to overcome our sin nature. Jesus was talking with Nicodemus. He was one of the religious leaders in Israel. And Jesus told him in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, we just read in Romans 5 and verse 12 that because of sin, that we're all spiritually dead. You know, we're born with the sin nature. And we remain that way until we choose to surrender our lives and surrender our nature to Jesus Christ. And when we do that, God revives the Holy Spirit in us so that we can become spiritually alive again. Just like Adam and Eve chose sin over the divine nature they had, we have to choose uh, surrendering our life to Jesus Christ to overcome the sin nature that we're born with. Uh, and I want to read these verses to you. We share these quite a bit on Wednesday nights, but I want to read these again in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, And you, talking about us, if we believe in Christ, has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And he's talking about our sin nature. Before Christ, that's how we lived. And uh, he said, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, before we knew Jesus in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. So we're all born with that sin nature. And the only way to overcome that is to come to Christ and he brings us alive again spiritually. We make that choice just like they did, except we do it in reverse. We trade in our sin nature for the divine nature. And I'm sure if they would have knew what they were doing, they wouldn't have done that to start with. But they did, and every, every person since then is born with a sin nature. It's not that you sinned enough that you, you're not in right standing with God anymore. We are born not in a right standing with God. But we can make that choice to surrender our life to Him and be brought to life in Christ. <clears throat> but even after we are born again, we still have the same choice Adam and Eve had. We can obey the Holy Spirit that is now alive inside of us and it's telling us what to do and guiding us and showing us what is wrong. We, could, we have the choice to obey that or we can just Keep on being obedient to the sin nature that's still inside of us too. You know, once you receive Christ as your Savior, you still have your sin nature. And a lot of people believe that if you surrender your life to Christ, that your sin nature is now dead and the divine uh, nature is alive. But that's a lie. 
and that is not true. And that's why so many people doubt their salvation, because they still have the same old temptations that are still there, and they start thinking, well, it didn't take. I said the prayer, but it didn't take. It took. Uh, if you said that, if you surrendered your life to Christ, he heard you. It did take. The difference is you also have the Holy Spirit inside of you now to tell you what is right, and you'll have the power that you didn't have before to say no to that temptation. It's not that you didn't receive what you prayed for. It's not that you didn't receive salvation. It's you have to choose to be obedient to the new nature that has come into you instead of obeying your old sin nature. Uh, Pastor Josh quotes these verses all the time uh, from Psalm 119. In verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, like it says in verse 11 there, that I might not sin against thee. It don't say that I won't sin against thee. We have a choice. We still have a choice which one we're going to obey. In uh, verse 105, it says, God will show you the path, but he'll shine a light on it for you, so you'll know that is the way I need to go. But he won't make you take that path. We all have every day, we have a choice to obey the Holy Spirit or obey our sin nature. Uh, we have to choose to take the path that God shows us. The difference is, once you've came to Christ, now you have the power to choose what is right. And you're not a slave to sin anymore, unless you choose to be. Uh, John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So once you surrender your life to Christ, you've got power that you never had before. You can say no to temptations that before you had you were powerless. You couldn't say no to them. You know, I had those things in my life. I wanted to stop doing things, and I couldn't do it. But once I surrendered my life to Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you can overcome those things. And uh, before Christ, we were a slave to sin. We were powerless against it. But, like I keep telling you, once you do come to Christ, you still have your sin nature, and you have the Holy Spirit, and you have a choice. Which one am I going to obey? And the, the Bible says in Romans 6, verse 16, that we are a servant or a slave to whatever we obey. It says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So we're either still a slave to our sin nature or we're being obedient and we're a slave to Christ. And uh, it's a whole lot better being a slave to Christ. So your sin nature does not just disappear when you get saved. But like I said, but now you can overcome it by the power of the Holy Spirit. As long as you're alive in the flesh, it'll be a war of the sin nature and the Holy Spirit. And I know you hear that all the time, but you know, whichever one you feed the most, or which one, whichever one you obey, just like we read there in that verse, uh, that's what you're going to see being produced in your life. You know, if we obey sin, we're going to see more sin. It just creates more and more and more. But the more we're obedient under God's Word and what God says, then that's what we'll produce, the fruits of the Spirit in our life. We talk about that a lot. 
But uh, that war between the two, as long as you're alive here on this earth, you're always going to have that. And you're going to have to choose every day which one am I going to be obedient to. Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, or obey the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Uh, I was gonna, I'm going to read this out of the NLT, too. I like the way it words it. It's the same verses. It's just worded a little different. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. If we just obey the Holy Spirit, we won't obey our sin nature. For the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So we've got to choose every day which one am I going to obey, because your sin nature don't just disappear when we come to Christ. The difference is now we've got the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can say no to our sin nature. Uh, and I said, went through all that to say this, uh, so that you would understand where I'm coming from. All the evil that we see in the world today, and all the evil we can see in history, if we go back and look at all the horrible things that have happened in history, all the wars and everything, it was introduced by Satan in the minds of men, but it's manifested and put into action by man. You know, we don't create evil but it starts in our minds. And uh, if we're obedient to it, that's how it gets carried out. You know, just like those cartoon characters we talked about earlier. You don't see Elmer Fudd dressed up like the devil all the time. Sometimes he's just good Elmer Fudd, going rabbit hunting or doing something like that. But sometimes Elmer Fudd has on the devil suit and he's doing no good. But sometimes that's us too. You know, that's what we do. Uh, we don't always have our little devil suit on, but we have bad days and we have bad thoughts. And when we carry through with those bad thoughts, then, you know, we are manifesting the evil that the enemy has put in our minds. We're obeying our sin nature in that moment and not the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, when we choose to do what we know God has said not to do, we are the ones manifesting the evil. Uh, we put it, we put that suit on, just like Elmer Fudd does. And like I said, we didn't create it, but we choose to take that thought and be obedient to it and turn it into an action, and it produces sin. It produces evil. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Uh, because of our sin nature, Satan's always putting evil thoughts in our minds. But because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, we now have that choice which one we're going to obey. You know, our, our sin nature that leads to sin and death, like that verse right there says, or the Holy Spirit that always produces life. Uh, 
you know, we're doing a James study on Thursday nights right now. And he, he gave a demonstration in there. You know, that verse is actually talking about childbirth. But he said what sin does is it entices us. It causes lust in us, whatever that thing is that we're lusting for. And, you know, it tells our minds, this is going to bring me pleasure. This is going to bring me pleasure. But then when it's conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And he gave the picture of this thing that we're looking forward to. We think, if I do this, it's going to bring me pleasure. It's going to bring me life. But it's born dead. It's a picture of a stillborn baby. And every time <coughs> that we give in to sin and we follow through with our lust, it never produces anything good. It never produces life. It always ends in bringing death to something. So it's we can't follow our sin nature. We have to hold... We have to follow the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's that way through the whole Bible. You know, men's thoughts are full of evil and women's too. They're just full of evil. Uh, you can go all the way back to Genesis. That's why the flood came. In Genesis 6 and verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And if we go forward to Jesus' day when he was here, in Luke chapter 22, verses 3 and 4, it says, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being one of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him unto them. So Satan puts those thoughts in our heads, and we can either entertain those thoughts until we come to the point where we actually obey those thoughts and carry them out, or we can take those thoughts to Christ and ask him to help us with them, which is what we're supposed to do. Uh, you know, it's just like serving the Lord. God can lay something on your heart to do something, but without a willing vessel, it's not going to get done. It's the same thing with evil thoughts. Uh, you know, we have to be a willing vessel to carry them out. You know, we get that thought in our head, we got a choice. We can either find this thought acceptable or we can look at God's word. We can pray about it and see what God says about it and make the choice to be obedient to him. Sin don't just happen. Evil don't just happen. It takes a willing vessel to carry that stuff out. It takes a willing vessel to put evil into action. But it does start in our minds. You know, we, like I keep saying, we have the thought, and then we have the choice. Do I take this to Jesus, and do I compare this to God's Word, or do I just listen to my sin nature and quench the Holy Spirit and turn this thought into an action? You know, that's what produces evil. I shared this quote with you last week. It says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Uh, I couldn't think of who quoted it last week, so I looked it up. And uh, some people say it was Edmund Burke, and some people say it was John Stuart Mill. I don't know which one said it, but it was one of those two guys. I just didn't want to take credit for it because I didn't come up with it. Uh, so it was one of those guys. But it's such a true quote. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Uh, 
You know, a lot of the evil that we see in the world and a lot of evil that we see in our society, in our homes, in our workplaces, you know, it may not be there because we're the ones doing it, but it remains there because we're not doing anything about it. We're allowing those things in our lives. And uh, we have the choice to do that, too. We have the choice not to sin, and we have the choice, like we talked about last week, not to participate in sin. Even if I'm not causing it, I don't have to be part of it. I can make a stand against it. Uh, James 4 in verse 17, he says, Therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Uh, I just had an example. Actually, I got it out of one of the devotions I did this week. But if you've got a neighbor and you know that there's a child in that home that is being abused or molested and you know about it and you don't do anything about it, is that evil? Yes or no? And uh, yes, the Bible says in James, if you know what's going on and you allow it to continue, uh, the Bible says that you are just as guilty. You know, therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And the Bible actually goes a little further than that. Second uh, John, verses 10 and 11, it says, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, and receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that bids him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Uh, can you do those in the NLT too, Travis? If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. He's saying if we just go along with ungodly things that go against the word of God, then that's exactly like we are participating in the evil. You know, if we let people go on thinking that what they're doing is okay, and we pat them on the back and don't say anything or bring to their attention that that's ungodly or step in to protect somebody if they're in a situation like I just described. And the Bible says we are a partner in their evil work. And I don't want to be a partner in anybody's evil work. Uh, like we talked about last week, the best way to overcome evil is not to be a participant in it ourselves. You know, where no wood is, the fire goes out. So we've got to be the ones that are not putting wood on the fire. Uh, if we go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God not said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So the enemy, like I told you a while ago, he's not going to stand up and show himself. He's subtle, the Bible says. He's not going to hit you with a, a big, giant, obvious thing to get you to sin. It's going to look harmless. And it can be something as simple as letting your kids watch something that you know they don't need to be watching on TV. <clears throat> Instead of telling them you don't need to be watching that and changing the channel for them. You know, Proverbs says we need to train up our children in the way they should go. And that don't mean just tell them you shouldn't be watching that. That means to enforce the rule that you are not going to watch that. You know, we should be our spiritual leaders in our homes and not allowing things, like I was saying a minute ago. 
it's not enough just to see the problem. We have to be the solution to that problem. Uh, tell them you're not going to watch that. Change the channel for them. And don't do it mean. Tell them why. Explain to them why this is not good for you to watch. Uh, don't just give them an ultimatum. Explain to them why that would be harmful to them. You know, like I said, Elmer Fudd's not always wearing the devil costume, but when we allow things like that, that's what we're doing. Uh, we don't like to look at it that way. We don't look like we don't like to think of ourselves. I'm allowing this evil in my home, but if that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. You know, if I'm allowing things in my home that I know God's word says is wrong, then we just read the Bible says I'm a partner with the evil deeds. If I'm allowing it. I'm just as guilty of it myself. Uh, Romans 13, verses 12 and 14. <clears throat> it says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So, Instead of putting on our old devil suit like Elmer Fudd, let's put on Jesus Christ. Uh, and don't take part in that stuff. And don't allow those things in our lives. Put on the Lord Jesus in Christ uh, instead and expose that darkness. Don't just tolerate it. Say, that's not right, and I'm not going to tolerate it. We've got to stand up against evil. Because when we don't stand up against evil, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We are supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. If we're not going to fight against evil, then who's going to do it? You know, we are the people of God. Sometimes, I told you a couple of weeks ago, we don't see ourselves as people of God. And we've got to start seeing ourselves as who God says we are. We're supposed to be his ambassadors. And when we come face to face with that darkness, especially in our homes, then we need to say, that's not right and that's not going to happen here you know don't be part of the bad jokes at work and don't be part of the you know don't be part of the bad language while the whole time the holy spirit's inside of you saying don't be part of that you know better you're not supposed to partake in that listen to the holy spirit uh, you know get that stuff off your tv me and my mom were talking last night and uh, you know i told her we all have good thoughts all the time and I'm sure everybody in here would say you do you know we have good thoughts of oh man they're having a hard time I bet it would really help them if I sent them a card or sent them an encouraging text or something like that and it is good to have those thoughts but the problem is we have good and bad thoughts and it seems like we just think the good ones and we never put any action to them we have good thoughts of I could do this for them I could do that we have those all the time. But it seems like that's all we do is think the good ones, but the bad thoughts we have, those are the ones that we carry out. And those create evil. Those create sin. So we gotta have we gotta start doing our good thoughts because those come from God. James also said every good and perfect gift comes from God, comes from above. And every bad thought we have, we knows where they we know where those come from. They come from our sin nature that was inherited through the enemy. Uh, so if we would just follow through on our good thoughts, 
then that would cut way down on the bad thoughts. The more we're obedient, the stronger the Holy Spirit is inside of us and the weaker the sin nature gets. So the more we're obedient to God, the less we're going to be disobedient to him. Our nature truly does change if we're just obedient. But we got to flip that around and start doing the good ones and take the evil thoughts to Jesus. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> I love that. I was talking about our thoughts. Every bad thought you have, God's not going to give you bad thoughts. When you get them, don't dwell on them. Don't try to debate with them or twist it a little bit so it'll fit. Take it to Jesus, it says, and bring it into the, the obedience of Christ. You know, the, the word evil, I looked it up in my strong concordance. It's in the Bible 616 times. And there's a lot of definitions of evil in the concordance, a whole lot of them. Uh, you know, I thought when I was going to look all this up that it'd be talking about Satan and talking about, you know, all about him because he's where sin comes from, right? But almost every one uh, of those definitions are dealing with thoughts and the actions of man and the effects that it causes. You know, I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of definitions tonight but I hope I will wake you up to a few things with a couple of them. Uh, the word evil the dictionary said it combines into one it combines evil is a combination of two things it combines into one a wicked deed and its consequences so not only the wicked that you're doing but what it causes those things combined the effect of it, that's what evil is. It's the effect of being obedient to the enemy. And every evil deed has consequences. Uh, but it really surprised me that evil wasn't in those definitions talking about Satan. It was talking about what men do and the actions, you know, that we follow through with those bad thoughts. And we manifest the evil. Uh, one of them said, it is the breaking up of what is good in man and everything that is desirable in man and society. That's all evil does. It breaks up anything that is good in us and in the society around us. You know, when all of us are given in to evil and given in to sin, we see what it's done to society today. It's, it's horrible. It breaks up anything that's good, anything that's constant, anything that's godly uh, I like this part it says the most prominent characteristic of a godly person is loving kindness you know is our life saying that to people you don't see a whole lot of loving kindness out there you see a lot of people out for themselves uh, loving kindness is loving people no matter what even if people do you wrong, you still treat them with love. We don't retaliate. We don't get revenge. We love them just like Christ loved us. That's what loving kindness is. But it went on to say one of the most marked features of an ungodly person is that his course or actions is an injury both to himself 
and to everyone around him and to society as a whole. So the biggest mark for somebody that is following evil in their lives is they're causing themselves injury, they're causing everybody around them injury, and they're causing injury or breaking up society as a whole. And we definitely see that in the world today. You know, evil only produces more evil. And evil always leads to death. It never leads to life. Evil always destroys. And these are some of the things that evil destroys. It destroys our mental health. You know, it perverts our minds to what, what is good and holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, we start uh, looking at all the things the world has to offer and it reprograms our minds. So it destroys our minds mentally. It destroys us physically. You know, when we give in to those bad thoughts, we fall into uh, patterns in our lives, destructive patterns. You know, it may not be drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's just overeating or maybe it's just laziness. It, it could be a million different things. But that's why most people are not in good health nowadays. You know, we've got everybody is in bad health. And I think a lot of it is, is because they're following after things that are not godly. So it destroys us physically and it destroys us emotionally. You know, you very rarely see a healthy relationship anymore because people don't trust each other. They don't know what love is. Like I said, that our minds are perverted. So you don't have the healthy relationships that you would have if we would just be obedient and follow God. And it destroys us spiritually. There's no way we can follow evil things and keep a healthy relationship with God. And the last thing it destroys is our morals. It destroys us morally. <clears throat> you know, if you participate in evil, your morals will die. You know, we won't have a sense of right and wrong. We won't have a sense of listening to any kind of authority. All we'll have a sense of is what pleases me, and that's what I'm going to do. We get so selfish, we don't have any morals because morals are for society. Morals are for relationships. Morals are for all of us to live together in harmony. And when we don't have any morals, none of that can happen. Uh, you know, it produces a false sense of power in us. Like I said, the only one we're focused on if we have no morals is ourselves. Uh, all we want is more power, more of what I want. <clears throat> so we get this false sense of power over ourselves, and we portray that to others. We don't see other people as other people. We see them as tools. You know, love is non-existent. Everything is for me and for my pleasure. And all you are to me is my servant. You know, we become our own gods. You know, a good example of that is look at all the wars in the world. You know, there's people getting killed for no reason other than somebody said, I said so. This is what I want. There is no good reason for those wars. All it is is somebody has elevated themselves to the, to the point where they think they are justified in just taking another life and don't, have, don't even have a reason to give. Proverbs talks about that in Proverbs Chapter 21 and verse 24 says, Proud and haughty scorner is his name who deals in proud wrath. You know, that 
I hope that never describes any of you. That is a that would be a horrible person to be. You know, when evil and pride control our lives instead of God, you know, then it's no longer God's wrath that we want to see fall on anybody. We've elevated ourselves up high enough to where it's no longer God that's in control. And it becomes, I'm in control, and you're going to suffer my wrath because I said so. And uh, you see this a lot in broken homes. <coughs> they say, you either bow to me or else. And, uh, you know, that is not godly at all. That is satanic. And that is evil. If you go back to the book of James, in verse or chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Where do wars and fightings come from among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war and you have not <coughs> because you ask not. So we fight and we war and we kill and we still can't get what we want because we won't bow our knee to God. We've elevated ourselves up so much that we're in control and uh, we won't let God be God. We want to be in control. And that is evil. You know, and the way we get there, people are not just content being one of God's children, just being one of one of the people in the crowd. They want to rise above the crowd. You know, that's our sin nature that gives us that desire. We should just want to be in the family of God, happy to be a child of God, happy to be a brother and a sister with all the other people. But their sin nature wants to put us above the crowd. You know, we want to be up here and all you other people are down here. That is evil. Uh, you know, God is up there. All of us are down here. There's nobody that can reach themselves up to that level. We are all down here and we're all equal. But everything evil destroys, God's Word and the Holy Spirit will bring life back to. If you surrender your life to Christ and you are obedient to the Holy Spirit, it produces life mentally. Instead of perverting your mind, it actually restores your mind. The Bible says it gives you a sound mind and it gives you love for other people, a love for what is right, a love for God. It produces life physically. If you're truly with everything in you trying to live for God, you can't help but want to be healthy for God so you can serve God better, so you can serve God's people better. So you'll actually benefit physically from just being obedient to God. You know, it produces better life emotionally. Once we've got our mental health restored, then we can have relationships. We can trust people. We can share with people. We can love people, and we can forgive people which is something we'll never do if we're still under the control of our sin nature. There's so much freedom in forgiveness. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many relationships you can have if you just forgive somebody as soon as they do you wrong. And don't worry about it. Jesus paid for that. Move on. Don't ruin your relationship because of it. And it produces life spiritually. You know, we get our relationship with God where it's supposed to be. And we get even more peace and more discomfort inside of ourselves knowing that my relationship with God is right and it's not weighing over my head all the time anymore. And it brings us back to life morally. 
God replaces the things in us that we turned our back on and walked away from. We'll start to have integrity. We can have honesty where before we had no honesty. He restores our purity. We don't look at other people as just people that we would or would not have sex with. You know, that is the way the world looks at people today. It's sad, but it's true. But he restores our purity. Uh, he gets us back into God's word. And uh, it builds up your character. You value people. And you value God's standards. And you try to live by them. So those are the two sides. We can, want, we can follow our sin nature and tear everything down and destroy everything, including ourselves and our society, or we can follow God and bring things to life. You know, like I said, evil corrupts character, and it demoralizes people into objects. You know, you're either for my gain, my pleasure, or my service, and if you can't do any of those things, then you're totally worthless to me. You know, that's what my sin nature says. But the Holy Spirit says that you are valuable and loved no matter what you <clears throat> what you have or what you can or cannot do. So if we want to value people, we have to follow God. And if we want people to value us, we have to follow God. Because we can't treat people like dirt and expect them to treat us good. You know, evil's always going to go against God's word, too. Uh, it's going to go against God's design and God's plan. You know, it's God's design in uh, Genesis 1, verses 27 through 28, for man to be fruitful and multiply. That's what it says. In verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it <coughs> and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So God told them to be fruitful and multiply. And what's the very next thing that happens in the Bible? You know, Satan introduces sin and they eat of it. And uh, then once man has the sin nature, the enemy comes back and he introduces homosexuality to go against God's plan to be fruitful and multiply. There's no way you can go against God's plan and be fruitful and multiply. If everybody was on the face of the earth was a homosexual, there'd be no more babies. In one generation, the whole earth would cease to have people on it. And that, I mean, that is just plain and simple. Uh, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, And now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. So God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the whole world. And uh, then what does Satan put in our minds? Just like we just talked about. Worry about number one. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about blessing others. Live like a king and go make billions of dollars for yourself while billions of people are starving to death all over the world. You know, evil don't have any compassion. It don't have any love. 
only greed and selfishness and arrogance and hatred towards others. Uh, like I said, this is the only message that I'm going to do on evil. You know, we did four messages on good. You know, we we got to choose good. We got to be good. We got to do good. We got to share good. But only you can overcome the evil in your life. You know, I told you last week, I can't overcome the evil in your life. And uh, you can't overcome the evil in my life. It's our choice. And uh, we have to make it. We've got to get in God's word and pray. Ask God for guidance. You know, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. You know, we will consistently live one way or the other. And every one of us is producing fruit in our life. So is your life producing life? Not just for you, but for other people around you? Is it producing life for your church, for your society, for the people you work with? Or is it producing more evil and more sin and more death? You know, are you just going along with whatever the world's doing so you'll fit in? If that's what you're doing, then you are producing more evil, more sin, and in the end, more death. You know, whatever whatever you're producing, it does affect everybody around you. And it does affect our society. Our society is made up of people, you know, one at a time. And uh, I can make my difference, you can make your difference, but together we can make a huge difference if we're all following what is good and producing life through our lives. Uh, so it does, you know, everything we do, it does affect somebody. None of us go by ourselves. We're taking somebody with us, no matter what direction we're going. Uh, so like Joshua said in the book of Joshua, chapter 24 and verse 15, we need to choose this day who you will serve. Who you will serve. He said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, no matter what my ancestors did, uh, no matter what people are doing in the world, no matter what people are doing at work, I've got a choice every day. Who am I going to serve today? And we all have that choice. Uh, like I said, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But, uh, but does anybody remember what point five was? It was there's only two choices, good and evil. So every day we've got that choice. We can choose good or we can choose evil. But I'm with Joshua on that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, or are you going to choose to live like the world? Or are you going to surrender control of your life to Jesus Christ and live for God? But uh, that's all the time we have for tonight. And that is the end of my message. And I hope that really helps somebody to take a closer look at yourself. See what your life is producing. Because if we want to be godly, we can't be producing evil in our lives. We can't be allowing evil in our lives, whether we're doing it or not. The Bible says if we bid God speed to it or if we encourage the behaviors of others that are doing it, then we're partnering with that evil and uh, we won't benefit from that. But I hope that helps somebody to, to see clearly a little better 
what sin is. It's not all Satan. Satan manifests sin through us and our actions and uh, what we allow him to make us do. He can't make us, but we choose to follow those things. But if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you won't be able to do what is right, not consistently anyway, because you don't have the power. You still have that sin nature. So if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'd like to give you the chance to do that. All you've got to do is know that you need a Savior, believe that in your heart, and just tell God, I know I need a Savior, and invite Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and be your Savior, and he will do that. And if today is the day you're going to do that, the Bible says to tell somebody that you're doing that. And with the confession of your mouth, the Bible says you are saved. I'll read you some verses to back that up. Maybe you want to write these down and, and do it later or whatever. But in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. <clears throat> so if today is the day that you're going to give your life to Christ, or have already, just tell somebody about it. Say, I surrender my life to Christ today. That's confessing your faith. And if you've done that, the Bible says you are saved. And if there's something keeping you from coming to God and getting saved, like people tell you that you went too far, or you're not good enough, or whatever the reason is, Romans 10, 13 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And don't ever think you're too dirty to get saved. Uh, Romans 5, 8 says God showed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I don't care if you're high on drugs. I don't care if you're drunk or living right in the middle of an ungodly lifestyle. If you cry out to God right there where you're at, He'll save you right there. You don't have to clean up and get in church. You just give your life to Christ, and he'll help you get it cleaned up. You can't do it on your own. But I hope you did surrender your life to Christ, and if you need some help, you need some guidance, just call us here at the church or come by, and anybody here will be glad to sit down and talk with you and, and get you started on your journey. But thank you all again for coming out. It's good to see you all. And thank you again for tuning in. If you're watching online, let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for that message <coughs> that you gave me to preach tonight. And God, I just pray that you'd give each of us the courage, Lord, to, to truly examine ourselves, be honest with ourselves, and give ourselves an, an honest evaluation, Lord. If there are ungodly things in our lives that we're doing or that we're allowing, God, I pray that you'd help us to see that that is creating more evil in the world. It is creating more pain, more sin, more suffering, not just for ourselves, but for those around us and for society as a whole. And I pray, Father, that you'd give us the courage to come to you and confess those things and let you forgive us, God, and cleanse us from that unrighteousness so that we can serve you the way that we should be. Father, I just pray for all those that came out tonight that you would help them to get home safely. And I just pray one more prayer for all those that are suffering tonight. God, I just pray that you'd continue to comfort them and help them to, to find comfort knowing that you're with them. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.